Hey, welcome to the Motor City Bengals Roundtable. This is our fourth edition now, I believe, something like that, where we have uh, hijacked Tigers SRD. Um, having a lot of fun with it, and thanks to Roger for giving us the platform, first of all. And um, we kind of changed the format a little bit. Um, just kind of want to get some new voices onto the SRD feed, so um, we appreciate you listening. But um, just wanted to uh, uh, thank you guys for um, for tuning in and uh Tonight, we have kind of our, our regular cast, I guess you could say. Uh, we have Roger, who has hosted the first three. We have Marty Talman, who's our fantasy expert on the site. And then we have Uber John, and we have other John. So <laughs> I like to call, uh, I like to call uh, John Uper. Um, so that's probably the way we'll refer to him throughout the podcast, just to di- differentiate the two. But um, yeah, thanks for, uh, for everybody coming on, and we're excited to, uh, to bring some good stuff. How's everybody doing tonight? Not okay. bad. On vacation myself, so I, I can't complain. No, you can't. And, you know, we were kind of talking, you know, off the air during some of the games and stuff, and you didn't miss much. So <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit here. But um, just kind of want to start with um, kind of the, the biggest topic among Tigers fans right now is kind of the starting rotation. And um, the issues that they've had both with injuries and poor performance, it's kind of been um, a lackluster um, viewing so far. So, and it's kind of hurt the the performance on the field. So uh, Roger, we'll start with you on kind of what to do about the starting rotation. What do you think is the, you know, the, the easiest fix to try and solve this thing? The, the bad part is it's not really like a one pitcher issue. We got three or four spots that we need to fill. And, there's there's the, the the groundswell for Casey Mize. A lot of fans are getting to the point of rabbit dogs out there about it. And it, it's to me, they're, they're so desperate to kind of get things going with it. But you look at the fact that the rotation, even with the likes of, you talked about Chang, we talked about him earlier in the year. He's not being talked about. There's, there's certain names in camp that could be brought up, but for some strange reason, it's really been, the news out of Toledo is hit and miss about what the rotation is doing, how Mize, you've heard some notes about Mize, but nothing about Fado, nothing about Manning. So what to do with the rotation with lack of information for the fans and even for, for us who write on the site, it's difficult to say. I mean, Dario, who's been, he had a forearm issue. They haven't, I guess he's been throwing okay, I guess. He didn't have to have surgery. So how come we haven't, he's not back in the rotation. There's, there's a lot of, weirdness going on in the starters year range just, just over I think under 7.36 yeah Turnbull who he had a good start but he had to be perfect yesterday and he labored through the whole entire game it is also that's concern to for myself because Turnbull is a guy this is you're making Turnbull a number one guy he's never been in this position before right now and when you have Boyd going out there tomorrow in, in Chicago if he's not locating spots he's just been hittable and so that's the the thing is, is that what, are, how come we're not hearing more information about what starters they have available in camp? If you're not going to bring up Mize, fine. Okay. But what about Chang? What about Agrizal? Then what do you, then what do you have? Right. 
Yeah, that's a good point. And, um, you know, part of the reason that they've probably steered away from going through the alternate site is, you know, rosters are still expanded for the time being a little bit, but this whole piggyback thing clearly is not working. What are your takes on this, uh, Marty? What do, what do you think is going on with the rotation and, and how really do they fix it? Do you think? Yeah. So I don't think it's like fixable really. I mean, and Boyd's been struggling, you know, obviously that's been really brutal. The only person that has been pretty good is Spencer Turnbull. So that leaves us one and two. Nova's on the DL and he's not good anyway. We've already lost Zimmerman. And we have the other few that we can kind of just plug in there. Um, currently the team ERA is 25th in the league at 5.38. So if this team is serious and by team, I mean, the organization is serious. They will bring up the kids and they will let them fill in right away because this is not out of hand. We're nine and 10 right now. And it's not impossible for us to make a playoff push. It's not. And it's definitely not impossible for us to at least be competitive. So if the front or the, the front office and organization wants to actually go for this, they will bring them up. If they don't bring them up, then that's what that means. They want to get maybe a higher draft pick, lose as much as we can, you know, just you know, take the pressure off the kids for another year. But if they're serious about winning, they'll make the call-ups now. Absolutely. Yeah, that's an interesting take. What do you think, Uber? Well, certainly there, the, the trouble is widespread. I mean, we're not talking about two spots. So, I mean, at some point, it's almost like throwing up your hands. But they, they have some options, uh, like you guys just talked about. I would like to see um, two of the kids brought up, and preferably – uh, Mize, if he's healthy and throwing well down there, and then Alex Fajardo. Um And where I would use him, you know, he's kind of a two-pitch guy uh, in some respects. I might use him as like a two-inning opener, and I might use Norris as a two-inning opener and just get these games off on good footing and try to piece this together as best they can. I don't think they have the pieces to put a five-man presentable rotation in there right now uh, anytime in the near future. So... You know, the problem there, of course, is you'd have Norris, Fajardo, and Fulmer all pitching relatively short outings. But hopefully, uh, Fulmer, you know, even if he's not effective, they need to get him innings this year so they know what they have next year and get him on track uh, for a good season in 21. So I think Gardenhire said he's going to go three more innings at least one more time. Hopefully, they can get him up to five-ish and make Fulmer a viable part of the rotation uh, he shows signs of looking like he, he's throwing some quality pitches at times. And then all of a sudden he misses spots right in, uh, right in the wheelhouse of somebody. So I, I wish I had a good firm answer. I just think we got to see Casey Mize and one of the other kids and then garden hunters just got to mix and match and make it work. Yeah. That's been the hard part is we haven't been able to rely on five consistent starting pitchers to even go five innings, you know, each it's been a challenge to get guys deeper into games. John, what's your take on the rotation and what do you think, you know, is there a way to solve this? Are you for the opener strategy? Um, you know, Michael Fulmer, maybe health and just repetition is going to do some wonders for the Detroit Tigers getting healthy again. Um, but what is your overall take on this, John? Well, I mean, if Falmer gets healthy, if he can go five, we've got three starters. So we still need two. Um, and bounce off what Marty said about being competitive this year. I mean, there's 16 teams that make the playoffs this year. So a 500 record, you're hopefully going to get in. So it really depends. And if the organization wants to win this year, 
they've got to call up at least two of the kids. I think probably more though, because my biggest concern about it is actually the kids are pitching right now down in Toledo against their teammates. So not only are they not getting the development that they should be getting against major league hitters, but they're probably going to be starting to develop some bad habits where they're not going to want to pitch inside against their teammates. They're not going to want to accidentally hit one of their teammates. So they're going to be pitching outside. They're going to be a little more careful, which is good. I mean, you don't want to hurt anybody, but if you lose the ability to throw inside just because you don't do it for an entire year, that's going to be rough for their development. So I mean, I, I personally think you call them all up uh, at least, you know, Mize, Fido, Scooble, if he's back to full strength. Um, and then you got to give some confidence to one of the players. Norris would be the guy here for me. Um, you guys know I want Norris back in the rotation. They gave him one start. It went not great. And then they instantly demoted him. I mean, that's got to be a hit to your confidence, but not only his confidence, but now if Mize comes up, if he struggles one time, does he worry? Oh, I'm going to get demoted. I'm going to go to the bullpen. I mean, we all know he wouldn't, but it's going to be in the back of his head. So I feel like they've got to just commit to a couple of guys, at least string a couple stars together and see what they've got. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly on, on your last point regarding Norris there. It was so strange, his first start back. You know, he's hitting low 90s, something like that. Stuff didn't pop out, but it's his first start back. You know, it's he's trying to get back. He's trying to build up arm strength. And then next thing you know, Tyler Alexander is starting in his place. And it's like, wait a second. You know, he had a fantastic outing and I don't want to dog on Tyler Alexander, but this guy doesn't have any long-term starting pitching aspirations. That's just what it is. So, you know, I was kind of upset and kind of disappointed in the, in the management on that. Um, but nevertheless, um, we'll see how it goes. It sounds like there's going to be a press conference Monday and the speculation is that it will be news regarding Casey Mize and how they decide to, uh, to handle him. So, uh, more to come on that, um, as early as tomorrow. So we'll see, um, let's move on and, and talking about just recapping the Indian series overall, um, Friday Nova continued to struggle and eventually went to the IL, um, Turnbull's pitch count kind of got too high and he never really was able to go deep into the game. He had trouble kind of throwing strikes, get, got squeezed a little bit from the, from the umpire on that. Um, and a three, one loss, um, Shane Bieber looks like a stud. I mean, he's going to be a problem for a long time. Um, and then Michael Fulmer never really got a chance to, to work out of it. And that's kind of the the downside of the opener, right? Is you never really have the opportunity to, um, to work out of a jam or settle into, to a start. So, um, kind of, kind of a bummer series, you know, kind of frustrating to watch Marty, what's your overall take on how the series went? Obviously we got swept, but you know, what did you learn, I guess, through the series and, and what did you see that kind of stuck out to you? Yeah. So going back to starting pitching, you know, I mean, that's, I mean, we lost the first game within three innings because of Nova, he gave up eight earned runs right off the bat. You're not going to come back from that too often. So I don't blame, I don't blame the offense that day. Uh, game two, uh, Spencer, you know, he kept us in the game, you know, I think he did enough to be able to give us a chance. Um, but you know, you combine for 12 strikeouts and only four hits, you're not going to come out with a win, but you know, like you said, that was the, um, that's kind of to be expected with the pitcher they were going up against. Um, and then game three, you just can't keep up with the Indians firepower. And at some point you got to take a step back and just be like, Hey, this Indians team is better than us. There's a reason why they've won 20 straight games against us. Right. Francisco Lindor, Jose Ramirez, 
You know, I mean, these guys, I mean, Fran Mel Reyes before <laughs> potentially Joe Jimenez broke his wrist. I will, we'll have to wait on that to see how that comes back. But um, yeah, they just couldn't keep up with the firepower. That's plain and simple. Biggest takeaway would just be, yeah, the starting pitching is, it's pretty, pretty brutal. Um, going into the the bullpen, which I was optimistic at first. And I think now we're kind of settling to see what it really is, um, but it's still okay. But yeah. Yeah. You know, that's a good point about the starting pitching and, and really two out of the three games, we scored five runs. So it's hard to fault the offense when you put up five, you know, you should expect to win within, within reason. And, you know, I kind of laugh Craig Monroe on the post game shows is the king of tip your cap. You know, when somebody does well, tip your cap, tip your cap. And at the end of the day, what can you do? It's, it's a more talented team, more star power. Like you talked about Marty, you know, they're just all around better than us. Now, I think it takes luck to win 20 straight baseball's a weird game and you can run into wins like crazy. Um, but at the end of the day, the Indians have just, they've been a better team, but, uh, Roger, what's your take on the series and kind of how things have, uh, have progressed. Obviously it's a sweep. It's disappointing. It was frustrating to watch at times, but, um, overall, what are your thoughts? My three takeaways from the series is why the hell is Sandy Leone torching the tigers? (laughs) (laughs) Think Think about that for a second. He managed to, I think it was five or six walks this week, this weekend series. It's a guy who came in batting 100, 100, then hits a bomb, hits a home run on Sunday. And you have to ask yourself as a Tigers, yeah, scouting report. I mean, you're walking him, you're walking Carl Santana quite a bit. And Carl Santana leads the league in walk. It's not even like just the, the amount of walks he's generating. But Shane Beaver's spike curve is probably one of the best curves I've seen in a long time. That thing drops off the face of the planet. It is really, really sick. And you saw that in what Cleveland has had one of the best starting rotation. They have the best starting ERA. It's not even close. Like the second place team, I think is, is not even close to what the Cleveland has. And Cleveland wins by just simply doing the small things, right? They time their outfield came in struggling offensively. They, they had a decent weekend, something along the lines of like four for 15 or something like that. But still Domingo Santana, who I thought Detroit would make a play for as a veteran corner outfielder. He had a bomb too. And it was, it was timely hitting good pitching and their, their bullpen is Tigers bullpen is just tax. I think the Tigers bullpen is a performed better than I anticipated, but Cleveland 20 in a row comes with, you said earlier, Jacob, in terms of luck, a little bit, a little bit of that. Cause I was looking at when the Tigers were really bad in the late nineties and you had those Indian teams that had Jim Tormey, Manny Ramirez, some really juggernaut teams and somehow Detroit, who's I thought those rosters were worse than they are now, man, I have to maybe have to question that, but Cleveland is really good for a reason because they just Terry Francona puts them in, puts them in position to win each and every time he's, he's one of the best managers in the league. I mean, he got 90 wins on a team last year with an offense that really had no business. You know what I mean? Like they just, they're not, on offensive juggernaut, but they just, they get, they got time of pitching and that's what Detroit ran into. Every time that Detroit had a lead their Cleveland answered right back and then their bullpen did the rest. Yeah. And that's, that's the challenge too. And I talked about it on Twitter. It was like the perfect storm, you know, in terms of what Cleveland has and what Detroit doesn't, you know, Detroit has struggled offensively over the past couple of years and Cleveland has excellent pitching, particularly starting pitching. So in a way, you know, they kind of play into each other's hand for the Tigers in a, 
in a bad way. But um, John, what's your what's your overall thoughts on how the series have gone so far? And you know, obviously, um, less than less than ideal. But um, have you been able to to kind of take away anything? Um. So my big takeaway, kind of bouncing off Roger here, the bullpen's taxed, but the the big thing for me has actually been Bo Burrows. Um, he's looked a little better. I mean, since he's gotten called back up after Farmer went on the IL, he's gotten three scoreless outings. Now, some of his stuff hasn't looked great, but he's effective. He's getting it done. So I'm I'm really looking forward to see what Burrows can do over the next little bit. Um, but yeah, the bullpen's just kind of taxed. I mean, we're using Soto. I mean, he's already been in what ten games now, pitched eleven innings, I think, this season already. It's it's just been a lot on the bullpen when your starters only give you three or four innings. That's been rough, but uh, yeah, Bo Burrows has looked great. Um, the results aren't there, especially today with the home run. But Carson Fulmer, um, I'm a big believer in him. His stuff looks good sometimes, and then the next time it doesn't look so good. But when it looks good, it looks great. So if he can get a little more consistency, and Burrows can you know keep this consistency up. The bullpen might still be a strength as long as we can uh, get a starter that can go a little further than three innings. That's right. And that's been the challenge is he's kind of been in a mop up role when he has pitched. So a little bit of a challenge there. You, what are your thoughts on how the series has gone? Well, I think the best news of the uh, last five games or so has been that uh, baseball America ranked their organization number six in the minor leagues. (laughs) That's probably been the best news we've had. Uh, But no, I really, the thing is, you know, we're talking about the pitching, and that's certainly a legit conversation that needs to be had. But, you know, the offense, pretty stagnant, too. Um, you know, you figure most games we're sending out a leadoff hitter with an on-base percentage under 260. Got a guy in a three-hole hitting 190. Uh, you got a, a four-hole hitter right now in scope with an on-base percentage way under uh, 300. Uh, you know, you're not going to score a steady amount of runs. The, the, when they had their success to get out to the 9-5 and five start, you know, they – they had some timely homers. I uh, had a couple big rallies, and that was great and a lot of fun to watch. But really, I think we've seen lately how the offense, you know, they're not going to be able to pick up the pitching staff all that often unless things really turn around, uh, especially for Cabrera. You know, he had a couple singles today. Uh, that's great. Uh, hopefully he can keep doing that. Um, but, you know, we saw him get off to a start with you know, when they played the Pirates and the Royals and the Reds, and they were, they're competitive, and now – they had a good team on the field this weekend and they didn't look very competitive. So we'll just have to see how it goes from here. Yeah, that's a good point. You and you, you talk about it. It's, it's kind of surprising that they've been able to score as many runs as they have. Um, when you look at the individual numbers offensively, it's been pretty disappointing. And some of that probably has to do with their hard hit percentage. You know, they were hitting the most, the most balls hard in a league as of a couple of days ago, um, that may have changed since then, but, um, you know, they're hitting the ball hard, a lot of home runs, you know, that helps with run scoring. And that's something that they didn't have last year. It would be fun to know from a statistics perspective, how, um, steady that hard hit number is for a, a, for a season, you know, when does a team settle into that's going to be their level? Uh, Right. Usually it's around 30 games for anything that kind of data to settle in. And then building off of what you were saying, Jake, I mean, missing, and this is something I actually, one of my biggest takeaways of this, um, this series and what we're going to miss is CJ, you know, right. CJ, I mean, just his ability to be able to hit the long ball. I know he was striking out a lot, but like CJ Crone, I mean, he's a legit major league baseball player. 
sitting right behind Miguel Cabrera. I don't want to say he's protecting him, but you know, it's good to have that there, you know, right. on that one, two firepower, but yeah, we're definitely going to miss him. And you know what? I want to, I want uh, Victor Reyes to play more. Can, can we just let him play? Just give him full time. He's been 269. He has 11 runs, four steals. He's the only one stealing bases. Like, let's just let him play. Why not? Let's just, let's just try it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't, I don't hate that idea. I, um, you know, I think Victor Reyes ultimately is probably a fourth outfielder on a good team or a utility guy. The nice thing is he has some versatility to him, so you can kind of move him around. But um, yeah, I, you know, I would be for that. I haven't seen anything out of Kristen Stewart that has kind of blown my my socks off. So, um, you know, I'm I'm for Team Chaos in in about any way at this point, <laughs> offensively. You know, as as long as it'll work. Um, moving along, um, the there was a article that came out from baseball America and I think it was JJ Cooper that, that wrote the article, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, basically outlining the possibility that MLB was exploring adding 15 players um, to the roster. Um, and that would obviously give um, Detroit some more options, some more guys to, to bring up. And then additionally, you know, get some guys, some at bats and, and Chris Brown from our site actually did a, uh, a great write up on the players that he thought, might um might be a possibility and i'll just kind of roll through them here but he had uh paul rican elvin rodriguez logan shore he had zach hess sandy baez gerson moreno vladimir pinto he had uh andre lipschitz nick quintana cody clemens gage workman then he had daniel cabrera jose azokar jake robson uh brian packard those were his uh his 15 names that he would propose to be added on um but um, maybe it's just a name or or a couple of guys that you would like to see get some reps um, through the remainder of the season if this rule does in fact um, go through. And I'll start with you, Uper, on this one. It, are there any names that stick out that maybe aren't on the sixty man currently that you would like to see get some some playing time and some repetitions? Well, it's interesting when you went through that list. I totally forgot Sandy Baez existed. So I was I'm glad <laughs> to remind you on that one. Um, you know, I think really all those names are fine. I, I'd, I'd be interested to know on top of that when they're going to have some word on what they're going to do this fall um, for minor leaguers to hopefully play some baseball uh, because that was discussed. And if they're going to do that in, in any way, then I'm less inclined to rush any of these other guys into any action uh, over and above who he's already spoken about, you know, uh, uh, the guys at the top end of their minor league list, uh, you know, the Mize, Mannings, Fidos, so on. Um, and really, I think that one name we don't mention much sometimes is Jake Rogers. Um, I think he needs to play. I, I don't uh, know how much better he's going to get in Toledo either. And, you know, I think we know what Grayson Griner is. So uh, I would like to see uh, him brought up and at least get some game action in. Yeah, that's an interesting name. And, you know, I've kind of, wrestled with the idea of Jake Rogers on the MLB roster. The challenge is Austin Romine was kind of brought in to be that everyday catcher. And that's kind of the whole reason that he left New York is because he had to play behind Gary Sanchez. Um, and the idea of Jake Rogers getting, you know, 15 games of reps um, in the season, whereas, you know, being able to play every day in Toledo, it's, it's hard. You know, I, I still struggle with that idea. Um, to this date, but, um, John, do you have anybody in mind, you know, on, 
on Chris Brown's list or otherwise of guys that you would like to see personally get, uh, get added on to this, uh, to this roster? No, I really liked uh, Chris's list, but there's two guys that he didn't have on it that I would really like to see. And that's Cole Peterson and Danny Woodrow. Um, Danny Woodrow was invited to spring training this year and you know, he's fast. I mean, that's all you can say about him. He's fast. He mm-hmm. has that dynamic part of the game that I think it was Marty was just saying, Victor Reyes is the only guy stealing bases right now. So, you know, even if he's just getting reps in Toledo or call him up, make him a pinch runner, just have some fun with him. But uh, Cole Peterson, you know, I love some stellar defense. So you put him at shortstop, the bat, it's going to be an empty bat in average. He's ever going to hit, you know, 15 home runs. Mm-hmm. He might not hit 15 doubles, but if he bats 260, who cares? Because he's going to make it up all with that defense. So he's one of my prospects that nobody really talks about, but I think he, you know, utility probably most likely, but give him the rep, see what happens. Cause you can't teach that type of defense. I mean, he's just so quick. Like his reflexes are amazing. So yeah, I'd love to see Cole Peterson if they, you know, added 15 more. Yeah. You know, Sergio Alcantara was one of the kind of minor surprises to me when he was thrown on the 60 man player pool and Cole Peterson wasn't, um, I think Peterson is a superior defender and the hit tool is basically the same. So why not go with the defense? But, um, yeah, nevertheless, those are, those are a couple of interesting names. Roger, was there anybody that, uh, that stuck out to you in particular? Yeah, it, there's, there's two names in particular that I thought were, were good names and that's Gerson Moreno. And the reason why I thought Moreno was an up and comer, then he had, then he just kind of fell off the face of the planet was dealing with some injuries and, with all the relief pitching right now, the Tigers would need at this point with him and Sandy Baez and Sandy Baez and Uper was right. I, there's a guy too. You just have, you know, wow. What happened to him? Let's see. It turns to be what something along the lines of having him go out there. And you know, saw all story today was done with the paywall about Jason Foley too. Foley also is a good name to be considered out there, but coming after surgery, this is where unfortunately not having a season is going to hurt a guy like Foley because you, can't get him back in the situations where you're building his up his arm strength right now. Who knows where he's at right now at the moment. I mean, he's probably pitching somewhere, but it's not the same situation as being down. He was going to probably start the season in Lakeland and eventually probably even start me, perhaps even join Erie's bullpen at this point. And another name too was uh, Cody Clemens, who right now is in the constellation league down in Texas. That is a guy you want to get some reps at second because if, he wasn't on the 60 man roster. So I'm sure he has a little bit of a chip in his shoulder on that too, because it was almost a foregone conclusion that, well, Hey, he's with the, the lack of depth at second base. You thought he was going to be on the roster and he didn't. So I think seeing him and, and seeing him in camp and there was a suggestion too, with his all offensive, you know, all offense, not defense, who knows, getting some more reps at second base, continuing to work on that getting better about it. But he's doing that right now in Texas, but, those are those. That's the name I'm looking forward to seeing in camp too. But the, in terms of relievers, I, I'd like to see those two names possibly get some opportunity to get some additional reps. Yeah, those are great. And considering both of those guys are either coming back from surgery or trying to reestablish themselves, I think that's a that's a good move. What about you, Marty? Um, yeah, I'd like to see uh, Danny Cabrera. You know, we just drafted him, the LSU Tiger. He plays outfield. He's got a super smooth swing. Um, 
Chris Welsh from Prospect One, who's one of the better prospect guys out there. I mean, he projects him to eventually be a 20 home runs, 10 steals kind of guy batting around somewhere 280. And I think that's something we could definitely use. Uh, the only thing that maybe a little drawback from him is his outfield. He wasn't even too strong in the corners, you know, in college. So to come into Fulmerica Park could be a little daunting, but we'll see. That's something we, that we need to see. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I was hoping we would get him. I was hoping we would draft him and we have, so now I'm just excited to see him come up. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great name too. And, you know, people talk about the the hit tool with him and that's so like anti tigers, you know, in terms of a guy, just like a pure hitter. Um, well, yeah, that's an interesting name. Here's something I'm interested in. Every one of you guys said, I'd like to see this guy. I'd like to see that guy. I would like to see any of these guys. They don't give us any looks at any of them. Now, yeah, now that's just across the whole MLB. I'm not, I'm seeing very like almost no footage of anyone's on um, taxi squads or anything. Um, I think Arizona Diamondbacks have released like a little bit of footage here and there, but it's very like, it's weird, isn't it? Has anyone seen any? No. Well, no, as did far you guys as see goes, the, uh, well, did you guys see the hitting coach? I don't remember what team it was, Pittsburgh maybe, but the hitting coach was playing center field and made like the catch of the year. And <laughs> that was trending oh, on geez, Twitter. So if we can get uh, that on Twitter, but I can't see how Torkelson's doing. I can't see how Mize is throwing. Like, don't even give uh, us a clip of that. But, you know, we got that hitting coach making a play. Yeah. I was just going to say, when we have James Fox on from the, from the White Sox website, Prospects, they allowed at least everybody in the media they're even their bloggers to have five hours to check out what's going on minor league camp. And look, I I will say this. The one thing about Chicago, you can dog Chicago all you want from being Detroit and all that Detroit versus everybody, blah, 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 all that nonsense. But one thing is certain the Chicago between the Cubs and the white Sox, there is quite a bit of blogs, but they have their, their blogging presence in terms of how they treat their bloggers down there is like night and day. And their writers are out and they have like these, blog sessions where there's people coming out and fans come out and hang out with the bloggers. It blows my mind. Sarah Sanchez from a uh, cup of uh, the, the Cubs site, the cup of cup of blue cubby blue. I'm, I'm sorry. I really butchering the name right now. There was like a huge crowd. They had a bunch of people out there with all these bloggers. It, it was just impressive. I mean, I would just give me 45 minutes an hour. We've I've asked been politely declined. It is what it is. I get it. But the lack of information is maddening. And we use a lot of swear words, but I'm not going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) And absolutely, when you when you figure that that's the calling card for the Tigers right now is the these high end minor league guys. And, you know, Spencer Torkelson, who's kind of the shiny new toy of it all. But, um, yeah, kind of kind of frustrating. Um, Moving along, Marty. So uh, we just kind of want to get an update on what's going on with fantasy. I'm personally curious on your take with how COVID has impacted. Obviously we've had two outbreaks. We've had a bunch of uh, cancellations with teams. How has the COVID situation and the scheduling situation impacted the fantasy world and is success basically luck at this point? Good questions. So to answer your first question, the word would be to sum up all of this craziness with rosters and COVID and injuries and everything like this, the word is mayhem. (laughs) It is absolute mayhem every single day. And and this even goes down to pitchers only going three innings because of this. And then 
people missing and you don't know why they're missing and, you know, players are getting injured because they're not able to, you know, ramp it up enough. And, um, yeah, it's becoming to the point where whoever's team was able to navigate through this river of COVID the best they're going to ultimately win. So that could be luck. It's not more luck than it usually is in any season, I guess. Right. So if we look at COVID Mm -hmm. as an injury, um, anyone can get it at any time. So pretty much it is what it is in that sense. So you could look at it that way. Um, as far as the day in day out, if you had a day to day roster, then I I've been, I've been fine. Personally, I'm able to make ad drops and adjust and pick my players and set the ones accordingly and adjust my benches. So it hasn't affected me that way. But if you play in like the NFBC um, or the TGFBI or um, any of those leagues, you are locked in for the whole week. So you set your roster once that wow. whole week and whatever happens, happens. So the stuff with the Cardinals all of a sudden, like, oh, they're just not going to play this weekend. That could completely mm-hmm. devastate everything. So mm-hmm. um, if you're in a daily league, it's been okay. It's been somewhat, you know, you can navigate through it. If you're in these week-long leagues where they lock you in, I don't, I don't, know, I don't know what those people are doing. I'm in one personally, and it's, it's pretty brutal. But yeah, that's interesting. And and I guess from a from a Tigers perspective, you know, who has done well in the fantasy realm? Who are some must ads? Maybe guys that not everybody knows about that people should be paying to or picking up. Good question. So we'll start um, our best guy right now. I mean, I remember who knows that Jacoby Jones. Um, in in fantasy baseball terms, he's the 68th overall player, which is pretty incredible. If you would have told me Jacoby Jones is going to be the 68th best fantasy baseball player at any point during the season, I would have been very afraid to be like, oh, well, I guess COVID struck every, everybody. <laughs> but yeah, so he's batting 314. He has five home runs, 13 RBIs. He's playing great. Um, second behind him, Victor Reyes. He's 168th overall. The four stolen bases is what's carrying him. And if you notice in any roto league that you're in, it's really tough to come across stolen bases without completely destroying every other statistic you have, you know? So he's been great there after him is Nico Goodrum. Now he left today's game, which I don't know if we'll get into that with back stiffness. So anytime we're talking about the back, especially in a shortened season, I get a little afraid, especially with, you know, all the utility in different positions he plays. He doesn't exactly take it easy but he has four home runs, 12 RBIs, and he has two swipes. So it's going to make him, you know, in there, um, from there, Jonathan scopes in there because of his four home runs early. But if you look at any of his, um, stat cast data, it's all blue. He's hitting, he's like in a 25th percentile and hard hit rate. It's just, it's not going to be, it's not going to sustain. He's going to go where I thought he was going to go at the beginning of the year. But, um, my, the one that you need to add, depending on how you're, you know, if you drafted Carson Kelly or Gary Sanchez or, any of these people have just completely plummeted. Austin Romine represent has been ah. absolutely amazing. And he's, he's been 304. Yeah. I don't think enough people are realizing they're like, actually our catcher is one of our best hitters right now, except for Roger, of course, <laughs> the boss man. Absolutely. I would never say other than him, <laughs> but no, man, he's been, I did an article. He's, he's no, he did. Yep. over 300. Just saying, just yeah. saying. He's been, he's been great. So, um, you know, he has 10 RBIs. Anytime you're able to, like I said, have a catcher that can, you know, withstand, you know, get you anywhere north of 250, let alone 300, you're going to pick him up. So he's a really good pickup for, I would say, you know, obviously 15 team leagues, uh, two catcher leagues. Um, you might be pushing it if it's a 12 team league. I would assume that maybe you had an injury, you know, someone fell or 
Uh, maybe you have one of the Braves catchers who's only playing, you know, 40, everyone's playing 40% of the time or something like that. Um, but yeah, that's where I go there. And as far as pitching Spencer Turnbull, I mean, I'm, we can talk about him all day, but I mean, he's right. the first few were really, really good. You know, he looked great. Um, so I, I, I like where he's coming from there. Um, Joe Jimenez is looking pretty rough these days. I mean, he came out with the four saves. He was leading all of major league baseball with four saves. He looked great. I think he has five saves now, but um, the weirdest that I think is his strikeout right now is about 10% lower than it was last year. Mm-hmm. And anytime you're, um, you know, you're a closer, you cannot have your strikeout rate drop, especially when you don't have lights out stuff anyway. So I see that's where he's struggling the most. And then obviously Matthew Boyd, everyone's number one pick from this team. Um, someone I personally talked up and I thought was going to be great and everything was going to look good. I think his ERA is around dead, 10. Marty. <laughs> is ERA's around 10. So, yeah. um, I, I don't think I have to go into how that's not good. So, is, um, you know, it's a shortened season. Is he a drop candidate? I mean, are you going that far with it? Or are you going to try and stick him out? If you're in a 15 team league, there's no chance 12 team league. I would see what you have on there. You know, if there's a next wave of maybe some, some arms that come up a uh, Mackenzie Gore, maybe for the Padres, but starting pitching is so lackluster at best. And I mean, you guys are in the league. We're all in the league together. You look at the, um, if you look at the waiver wire for starting pitching, you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. And you're going to see, you're going to see some, yeah. yeah. Roger knows all about that. that. Yeah. You're going to see, you know, the Zach Eflins of the world and, you know, people are just like, ah, do I really want to do that? Like, I don't know. But uh, so no, he's not, he's not a, a drop candidate. Hold on to him. Give him another week or two. I know it's, it's, it's getting down to the wire. I mean, we're almost, we'll be halfway through the season by that time, but no, he's definitely not a drop candidate. Interesting. So I guess I will. Yeah, we're we're all in a fantasy league together and I'm kind of diving back into the world after being out for a little bit. But I'll just kind of open the floor to you or to anybody else, Marty. Anything fantasy related that you want to touch on? Oh, I got a question for you, Marty. I love it. Yes, let's go. <laughs> so where's my boy, Gavin Lux? Gavin Lux I drafted is, him. Yeah. Oh, I drafted him. What? Second round, third round. I had high hopes. Rookie of the year. Here we go. And now I'm sitting there with a maybe at second base every day. Yeah. But to go with your uh, Austin Romai, I picked him up. I don't know if you saw that. I picked him up last week. And then I panicked 30 seconds later and dropped him for Francisco. Uh, <laughs> terrible <laughs> what choice. Wait, Ter- wait, wait, hold on. Let's, let's stick a step back here. <laughs> Why did you panic? What happened? Uh, well, I was doing good. I went, well, first off, I was doing terrible right off the bat this season. I was mm-hmm. like in 10th. All of a sudden, I was in fifth place and I got excited. Mm-hmm. And my catcher, I thought Zunino was actually going to show that power potential that we've been talking about for five years. Yep. He did not. Dropped him, wanted some power, picked up Romine. And I kid you not, Zunino hits a home run the second I hit on Romine. So oh, I was no. screw you, Romine. I'm going, going yep. young. Go over to Baltimore. <laughs> So that was, that was, that was a terrible choice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, back to Gavin Lux, it's just, I mean, it's an embarrassment of Richard uh, riches over there in LA. And, you know, they have Chris Taylor, they have Kiki Hernandez, they have Corey Seager, you know, they have all these different people that they can move in, they can move out. Plus why not just wait another year or so with him? Um, I mean, and there's possibly even something going on behind the scenes because you don't often see where they call somebody up, say he's the starter. And then so early to say, yeah, we're going to, especially in these circumstances, like, nah, go back down. We don't, eh. so, um, 
I, I pour one out for all the people who drafted Gavin Lux. I did not in any of my leagues. Um, one, because I don't trust the Dodgers. And um, yeah, I don't know. I think he has a bright future coming up, though. Dynasty leagues hold. I think the LA Dodgers are becoming the Denver Broncos of fantasy baseball, where them, you don't draft a running back from the Denver mm-hmm. Broncos. You don't, <laughs> you don't draft an infielder for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Just saying. I think that's where we're at. I agree with that. Interesting. Was there another question? I, I couldn't tell. Oh, I just had to say, hey, Marty, I'm a fantasy novice, and my team is breathing down your neck. We there we go. You're <laughs> going to be able to tell if I use Scope or Listerine pretty soon. Yeah. <laughs> For the record, you guys are all vampire uh, vampire waiver wire people, and I hate you all. Just saying. Go, go pick up somebody. Yeah. It just happened. I just saw it on Twitter. How the hell did you guys ever pick them up? <laughs> you don't like me taking up Dylan Carlson that fast? I mean, the Cardinals announced it. I was on there within seconds. That, that's exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> Horse crap. It was on my team first, and I dropped him because I needed someone. Oh, there it is. That's where it is. That's where. The, so you're not mad at us. You're mad at yourself. <laughs> I'm at my and I go to. I'm like, John, man, you move. Man, ah, brutal. Rogers has been struggling been, too. Uh, he, he could catch a break. I can't catch a break. My my number one starter, Alcantara from the to the Marlins. I, I mean, you know, I I've gotten better about it, but anyway, I, I got reminders on my phone to go check your lineup, do this, do that, in addition to everything else. But whatever, it's been a while. I'm rusty. No excuse. It's a lifestyle. I mean, really, it is. <laughs> oh, for sure, no doubt. Well, cool, Marty. I, I appreciate that. It's always good to kind of see into that world a little bit or see baseball through that lens. So I uh, appreciate that. Um, moving along to the Tigers upcoming series. Um, they have a four game set coming up with Chicago White Sox in Chicago. Um, it it seems like part of the weekend series as far as starting pitchers is kind of figured out, but they still have probables that need to be solved for um, both Tuesday and Wednesday before Spencer Turnbull goes on his regular rest Thursday. Um, Chicago White Sox have been hot. You know, they hit four consecutive home runs Sunday night. So um, they, they may be running into a juggernaut. Um, Youper, we'll start with you on this. What are some things to watch and, you know, kind of look for um, as it pertains to the Chicago White Sox and Detroit going there? Oh, thanks for taking me first. Cause I think my phone's about to die. That's the hazards of being on vacation here. Oh man. So if I cut off, it's not, it's not you, it's me. All right. So, anyway, you know, the white Sox. uh, I've been trying to write a story that I think a good thing for the tigers, that one of the best things that could happen over the next few years is a, a real big uh, rivalry between the Tigers starting pitching and the young white Sox lineup. Uh, I think that could be the two units in the division that really face off all the time uh, through the middle of this decade. And if things work out, it could be a heck of a battle because that White Sox lineup, man, it, it's getting long. Once Tim Anderson became a force uh, and, you know, you, you put everybody behind him, Mancata, uh, Eloy Jimenez, I think will eventually uh, be even a bigger force than he is now. His batting average is a little bit low. Uh uh, Madrigal's hurt. He's a nice, different change of pace guy. No strikeouts, puts the ball in play. They are going to score a lot of runs, and they're going to go seven men deep in that lineup to the point where they can probably carry a, a light-hitting center fielder who's all glove and even a third baseman who's all glove eventually uh, because everybody else in that 
lineup can hit because they got Andrew Vaughn coming behind Abreu, even if Abreu takes a, a step back. Um, so the White Sox, to me, you know, they're a little short on pitching overall. Um, they've had a few injuries, but the, the, to me, they're going to be as good as the Twins in another year. Uh, and they might they might be on the upshot where the Twins, you know, depending who stays, who goes, we'll see what they do. But uh, I really like that White Sox lineup. There's no easy outs. Uh, Detroit could have a long four-game set here. Yeah, it's a good point. And the timelines are a little off between their offense, which is basically all arrived to the major leagues at this point, and the Tigers, who have yet to see any of their pitching prospects arrive. Uh, Roger, you've you've talked to some White Sox folks. What is your perspective on kind of where they're at? Um, I know we already got to see Chicago. Dylan Cease looked like he had good stuff, but Detroit was able to kind of hit him a little bit. Um, what what are your thoughts on the the upcoming series? Well, according to my White Sox a friend of the friend of the show uh, from Future Sox, James Fox said that it indicated Dane Dunning might make his major league debut on Wednesday, which is huge for them. The White Sox de- do desperately want need more starting pitching right now. Kopachak sat out the year, of course, because he just didn't want to deal with the season. And from my understanding, that's his, that this is a decision. That's probably the right decision for him. But their bullpen has done better than they anticipated. You look at the, the back end of the bullpen, Alex Komen, the closer's done really a really good job of slamming the door for them. But their their biggest thing right now is if they are kind of in that limbo right now where White Sox fans and I, I asked one of their one of their writers about if they're gonna make a trade or not, and they don't think they're gonna make a trade because the lack of and, and you're hearing more about Jerry Reinsdorf is fascinating because if you watch the three for three of the Bulls, you don't realize that you know him more as the owner of the Bulls, but you don't realize he's you know such a kind of the, more of the behind the scenes with the White Sox. But then again, Jerry Krause was a guy who ran a base was a baseball scout before he went to the GM as a bull. So, but getting back to the team right now, the biggest thing that Troy has to worry about too, is that, you know, you, you were mentioned this too. I know Mark, uh, Nick's down. I think Mark, he's down with a shoulder issue. So I think he might be out for a little while, but is Tim Anderson looks better than he does last year. I mean, he is some of those at bats he's had in the, in the series last week, he was fighting off pitches. He was making contact with everything. Everything was, but it was all hard hitting contact. And this is a guy last year who didn't walk. I mean, this guy won the batting title without any walking, without barely walking. And he worked on getting better because he thought that everybody kind of like he had a chip on his shoulder. People think he was kind of be a fluke, but he's gotten better. And and Tim Anderson is the guy that really gets it going. And if he's on it, it this White Sox offense hands down. I might, it might be a little, it's the twins offense is still one, but I think the white Sox are as you were saying, you can probably smell the scope on their breath too, breathing on their neck. But if they can get another starter or two, this team is not too, it's not as far away as we think, but again, you gotta keep in mind the scope of the perspective of they're only playing central teams right now. So until we see some, you know, next year, we see them play the Yankees and the teams out West, if you will, They'll get a little bit better perspective, but for now they're really doing a good job of beating up on, on their central division opponents. Yeah, that's an interesting, and and they might have one of those starters coming, like you talked about with with Dooning, and that would actually be a really interesting matchup potentially because Casey Mize would be on five days of rest uh, for Wednesday. So you figure two pitchers making their major league, um, highly regarded pitching prospects, that would be a pretty matchup. Yeah, and I think they're they're kind of forcing the hand with Dooning because Dooning last year was I think he was pretty, he's pretty pretty much 
in terms of where he's at on the roster. This is guy six four. He's a right, by the way. I should have mentioned that earlier. He was he's six four. He's been he's twenty five years old, so he's not like a young prospect. So he's been a guy who's I think you're just gonna get him ready to go out there. And first round draft pick from twenty sixteen. So another Florida arm too. That's another thing I forgot to mention. But the highest he's been at right now has been double A. So he hasn't pitched above that. So it would be very, very similar to what you see with Casey Mize, a guy who would just skip over a level. Yeah, that would be fascinating. We're crossing our figures at uh, noon on Monday. I'm sure they'll be uh, live tweeting from the from the beat guys. Uh, Marty, four game set, Chicago coming up. We have we have Boyd versus Gonzalez on Monday, TBD against Dylan Cease on Tuesday. We don't know either starter for Wednesday. And then we have Spencer Turnbull versus Lucas Giolito Thursday, which should be another cool matchup. But uh, what are your overall thoughts going into the, the series? Uh, yeah, so I want to um, piggyback off what uh, Roger was saying. I brought it up real quick looking at Tim Anderson because I have been seeing his at-bats, um, and he has just been hitting the cover off the ball. So the the stats back it up, Roger. Um, 92% hard hit rate. I mean, he <laughs> X-slug, 85%. That's wow. Woba, 85 percentile. And a sprint speed, sprint speed still in the 88th percentile. So, you know, expect him to keep having yeah, – he's Tim Anderson's really good. I mean, that's just where we're at, you know. Um, so, yeah, so this – I'll just look primarily at game one because that's the one we can actually kind of look at the most and actually know what's going on. So this is our best chance, I believe, to win a game uh, this whole series. We got – I think Boyd's going to get back on pace here. Um, you know, we have Gio Gonzalez who isn't – not very good. Um, scope bat. Uh, his career average against him is uh, 304. So keep an eye out for scope. He has like 33 at bats. I think I look. I think it said. So um, hopefully he'll be able to. If he's still in the uh, the four spot, he might be able to help us out there. Um, but yeah, I mean Boyd. I think this starts. This start is all about Boyd. You know, and he's going against Jose Abreu, who you know bats 394 against them. Obviously, he's a killer. Everyone knows that. Tim Anderson's batting 333 against Boyd in his career. So you add in um, Edwin Carcion, Grandal, Mancada, Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert. It's going to be super tough. I mean, <laughs> this this lineup is incredible. I you know one through seven, like you said, um, the pitching's there. I mean, Lucas Giolito's good. Uh, Dylan Cease, we roughed him up a little bit, but he's still you know you know. Uh, I still think he's pretty solid. He has good stuff. Um, so it's going to be a tough series. I expect to win one to two games. Yeah, I think that's fair. And, uh, you know, Boyd pitching at guaranteed rate field, he has the propensity to give up home runs as it is. Guaranteed rate field is an absolute shoebox of a baseball field. I mean, it's tiny. Yep. Um, and his propensity to give up the long ball. I mean, it's, it's kind of a, an ugly storm. It, it could get ugly in a hurry and he has had the ability to, uh, to give up runs in bunches. So, um, we'll see how that goes. John, what do you, what do you think is going to happen or, or what are some things to watch for the upcoming series in Chicago? All right. I'm going to give a hot take here. Oh, um, cause like you were saying one through seven, they are, they're basically a fantasy all-star team right now. But they do have Danny Mendek at second. Um, I'm going to go hot take. They're going to try their hardest to go for the sweep against the Tigers. If they sweep the Tigers here, it can really flip the AL Central for them. Um, so I think they're going to go right for it. I'm, I'm going to call it. They're going to call up Andrew Vaughn this week. Um, and I think I, I was reading uh, uh, over on Southside Showdown, Vincent Paris 
said that there's a chance he plays third for him this year. So if they put him at third, move Makata over to second, all of a sudden their lineup is just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And it's getting this might, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, this might be the time to do it against Boyd. You're giving a guy who, I mean, he's all bad, but he doesn't have quite the power. You're going to give him a big confidence boost if he comes right up and hits a home runoff Boyd on day one. So I'm going to call it. I'm, gonna, I'm hoping to see Andrew Vaughn this week. Yeah, and those teams are definitely in two different kind of scenarios as far as their competitive window and their cycle. I think the Chicago White Sox are trying to win, you know, I think. And I think they have enough talent to get in the playoffs, whereas I'm not sure you can say that about Detroit. You know, they kind of have to sneak in. Um, but, um, yeah, no, that's uh, that's an interesting take. And I think they're definitely going to try and win. Um, absolutely. Um, moving along to our to our last piece. Um We'll kind of end it on a on a positive note. I think we've been critical enough here, but uh, just some general pleasant surprises. Just some guys that you've been happy with um, so far this season. There are some obvious um, answers to this question, but um, I'll I won't steal anybody's thunder. And at risk of losing you, Uper, we'll we'll start with you again on that one. Who who are some pleasant surprises for you? I have thought that John Shriver has looked like more of a major league pitcher than he did last year. That's for sure. You know, he seems like a guy who could. He's not going to be a dominant piece in your bullpen, but I think he could be a very usable guy. Uh, he, he certainly has that look to me. Um, same with Brian Garcia. Uh, not overwhelming, but again, someone who's going to go out and give you a competitive effort when he's in the game. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful. I would love to see them get Buck Farmer back uh, this week uh, when he's eligible to come back and have him throw a couple good innings and see if there's any kind of market for him at the trade deadline. Um, because he was pitching pretty well. So those are the, you know, obviously everybody wants to say Soto, which they should, because he's been phenomenal. But I think there's been a couple of the uh, second tier guys who, who look pretty competitive. Yeah, those are two, a couple of uh, under the radar kind of guys that have kind of surprised a little bit. I know I wasn't expecting anything out of John Schreiber this year. So um, to get actual major league innings has been a pleasant surprise. I, I still think the margin for error, you know, he didn't pitch well um, tonight. Um, but the margin for error with guys like him, that funky delivery, kind of a, a light thrower out of the bullpen. It's, it's very small. You know, he has to hit his spots. He has to have his off speed pitches working, um, in order to, to make it happen. He can't really skate by without, uh, without those two things, Marty, uh, who are some pleasant surprises for you? Well, most recently, um, this Willie Castro fella, you know, batting That's 400. Right. Yeah, I like I like what I'm seeing there. You know, obviously with Crone uh, um, going down, you know, he's going to have to he's going to get a lot more playing time here. So it's interested to see that. Uh, I went into it before, but Austin Romine has been a pleasant surprise batting 304 as a catcher. I can't say enough about that. Um, and then also, obviously, Jacoby Jones, who's been incredible. I don't think anyone, I think there was one person on Twitter. It was like, no, Jacoby Jones is better than Victor Reyes. And he's our best outfielder. And I was like, you know what? I don't think so. And so far I've been proven terribly wrong. So um, <laughs> I think he's, he's look, he's done obviously really well. And uh, lastly, I'll end it with uh, Victor Reyes, you know, with the stone, with the swipes doesn't play every day, but when he does, he does contribute. Yeah. Again, those are some, some under the radar kind of people. So very cool. Um, John, what about you? Some pleasant surprises this year so far. Well, for me, it probably wasn't a surprise because I've been on the Bo Burrows train all you know the last couple of years. I still think he's a starter in the bigs, um, but I was excited to see him at least get this chance to pitch out of the pen this year. 
Uh, struggled the first time, you know, your debut, you had a little jitters. That's all right. But he's looked good. I said it earlier. I'm, I'm impressed with him. And to go with that, Kyle Funkhauser, I mean, he's bringing the funk right now. He needs to shave that mustache. I mean, <laughs> I get it. I get it. You want to have something, but either grow it out a little more. I don't know. I just got to laugh about that. Um, <laughs> but he's looked, he's looked like a major league pitcher. The first outing, same thing. I was a little nervous about him. He was a little erratic, but he's calmed down and he comes out and I, he's kind of must watch TV for me right now. I hear him come out and I stop what I'm doing and watch. Yeah. You know, it's funny. You kind of mentioned those two um, in sequence there because I've had a tendency to just lump them together. You know, they kind of had a similar trajectory. I know one was, one was high school, one was college, but, you know, both highly regarded prospects when they were drafted, both thought to be more polished, um, right-handed starting pitcher type guys, power arms, eventually lost some of that power. And now it seems like they're gaining some of that back, especially Funkhauser uh, in the bullpen, who's been up to 97, 98. So that's been kind of exciting to see for sure. Uh, Roger, who have been some pleasant surprises for you? Well, I'll say surprise. Oh, there's two players and then a play. Christian Stewart's throw from left field to second base today surprised me. I mean, <laughs> that was just like, where did that come from? Because I remember seeing him in Toledo and a couple of times where it was just kind of like a little league, you know, the one where you barely hit the cutoff man, which I've made that throw before when I was in the outfield back in the day. So that was a play that I didn't expect. And, and Christian Stewart still, still needs to work on his, offensive game a little bit, but defensively he's surprised me. He has surprised me defensively. He's playing better out there in left field, holding it down. Gregory Soto, a simple lineup change. It just where you now and you see it consistently too, whereas before you, the first couple times he made appearances, he was still doing his old higher leg kick, but now he's got that side kind of sidestep a little bit and he's doing it much more consistently. No one, nobody. And if there's somebody out there on Tiger Twitter is going to tell me they saw us coming, you're a damn liar. <laughs> because Gregory Soto throwing this kind of heat consistently hitting his spots too. It's not that he's going out there throwing gas and you have a, you have a K per nine of 12.6. You're doing either what he did in winter league ball pitching down there in the Dominican Republic, something, something clicked and he had really good numbers down there. The second, the, when he first got there, he was struggling with it, but then he just something clicked on and he didn't talk about that whole experience. And then lastly, I would have to say, I would, I would agree with about John Schreiber too. Schreiber Comparatively speaking, to Brian Garcia has better a better K rate because you look at Garcia's numbers a little bit, and those are kind of concerning because he's not his xFIP is a little high. You, you, there's there's kind of, there's kind of concern a little bit about Brian Garcia, and you look at in terms of his excuse me K rate rather, but his xCRA is four point seven five. So that's something to be kind of look your eye out on. Like the he had a couple of walks today, but Schreiber's also surprised me because if he's not. I think he's today was just a bad outing because he's just been out there. He was out there Friday too, right? Friday and Saturday, I think. So if you throw a reliever out for three straight days, of course it's something's bound to happen. So, but those, yeah, those are my three. Yeah. I like that Kristen Stewart point because that's that's something else because I've often thought Delman Young probably thinks Kristen Stewart has a bad arm and that's not a good sign. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's cool. And Romine's a surprise too. Don't get me wrong. Romine's been doing really well, but I think getting a shot just he just needed a shot. So I'm not that surprised, but as you were, but yeah. You know, I I applaud you guys for going a little bit off the radar with it too. You know, there's 
the, the obvious ones were Jacoby Jones, um, Gregory Soto. And, and we saw the swing changes with Jacoby Jones last season and kind of the, the rewards from those changes, but we weren't sure if that was going to carry over, if that was just a hot streak. And it turns out, you know, he's, he's legit. So that was super exciting. We've also seen Jamer Candelario start to swing the, swing the bat a little bit better recently. Um, a, a rough, rough start to the season. And I was even wondering if he was a potential DFA candidate um, on, on the roster completely, just because, it, you know, it was, it was hard to watch there for a little bit. And it's, you know, it hasn't been just the start of the season that he struggled. Uh, this has kind of been ongoing, but he started to swing the bat a little bit better. So yeah, not to mention um, his, his play at first base has been phenomenal. I mean, you saw some of it, he's, he's adjusted to a position that, He's only had a handful. I mean, he's played it last year, granted, but I thought for being on the fly, it's it's a pretty good adjustment so far. Absolutely. And, you know, I kind of held my breath when they brought up Willie Castro and played him at third base. But, you know, to to your point, I think you brought it up, Marty. He's been a pleasant surprise at third base defensively. I was really happy with what he's done so far at at the third base position as well as with the bat. So I think that was uh, that was a nice point as well. Um, any final thoughts before we kind of sign off here? I think this has been a, an interesting uh, podcast. We've given some people some things to think about, and uh, we'll see what happens um, in the coming days, specifically Monday at noon when um, Alavila is scheduled to uh, to meet with um, beat writers. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be super exciting. Obviously, that could you know change the the trajectory of our season, right? So obviously, we're going to be all super tuned into that. And how off, how quickly? I should, I, I'd rather say, um, or how soon do you think we're going to hear the Soto as closer, uh, uh, call uh, for people on Twitter and, and across, you know, yeah. <laughs> How are you doing Chris it? Brown, I believe already started, doing it? The, uh, okay. started the hashtag. I think it was Soto for closer. Was that right, Roger? Oh, that's no. correct. Yeah. Oh, wow. For, See, Soto I'm behind. Jeez. You are. Never mind. He did that, he did that uh, the second game of the season against the Reds. I'm pretty sure. That's <laughs> <laughs> He was a believer. So the my only closing thought is that I think that we, I think as a staff, understood that Detroit was going to head into a brutal part of the schedule because next week they got the Cubs and the Cubs have been the, the Cubs have been doing really well. Get some really unexpected starting pitching. For a team that I thought that the Cubs didn't have enough pitching, but apparently they proved me wrong so far early in the season. It's, it doesn't get any easier from here. It really doesn't. And honestly, you're seeing some of that 2019, you know, the, the crud from the second part of the season, second half of the season collapse, starting to come about a little bit. And so, and really, Lou McClennan, why would you bring in Soto? That was the only thing today was, why'd you bring in Soto for that? Honestly, like, for one out. I, yeah. That was, I, I mean, I'm not, uh, completely ignore Ramon Santiago uh, going yeah. on third base today. Jeez. Also, yeah, Marty, that's a good call there. He, it, the veteran should have done that. And that was some of the, 